0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a Minnesota State Fair preview, a new summer soybean program that has growers excited, and U of M soccer coach Aaron Chastain. But first... State government did not shut down this week in Minnesota, but lawmakers came pretty close to it. Two very volatile
1: issues played into the last minute efforts to finish the state budget right up to the final gavel, namely Governor Tim Walz's COVID emergency powers and police reform.
2: A profound and deep betrayal of the communities who have been oppressed by law enforcement, and by our systems.
1: Negotiators for the Democrat-controlled House and the Republican-controlled Senate had come to an agreement on police reforms after many weeks of behind-closed-door wrangling. But an influential group of House Democrats, the People of Color and Indigenous Caucus, said those measures went nowhere near far enough.
0: Do Black Lives Matter. Governor, you have the power to do something. And all I've been getting from your office is lip service. I mean that. All we've been getting from the governor's office is lip service.
1: Representative John Thompson from St. Paul. Governor Walls readily admitted the deal did not have all the police reforms he wanted, but... There's
3: a point where
4: when the Senate tells me no enough times, I believe
1: that. The governor said the bill he and legislative leaders negotiated was as far as we could go, with July 1st government shutdown looming.
3: We owe it to Minnesotans to get this done on time. In the end, you have to say, look... It's over. we got to wrap this up. We are all conscious of the fact that whatever we don't get done by July 1, there's no funding, that part was shut down.
1: Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, lead House negotiator, St. Paul Democrat Carlos Mariani, was asked if over demands for more police reforms, he was prepared to shut down public safety functions of state government on July 1st. That's a great
3: question for the Senate. Look at a Senate that didn't even have one hearing. On the preeminent issue of our day, not one, we are prepared to do what we need to do to save the lives of Minnesotans.
1: House floor debate on the public safety bill, long and fierce.
0: We've tried policing Minneapolis. We've tried locking everybody up. We've tried the war on drugs, the war on crime. We've tried all of this police activity and it's
5: only gotten worse. But what we haven't tried is investing. Skyrocketing
1: crime is not happening because of underfunding. Crime is happening because of a willingness to turn a blind eye to those that are committing crime. The legislature's work product on police reform did not satisfy many in Minnesota's communities of color.
4: They're not doing their job. They are, uh, Democrats and Republicans are guilty of not demanding justice for George Floyd and all the family.
1: Jelani Hussein with the Council on American and Islamic Relations Minnesota Two days before the July 1st deadline to avoid government shutdown, police reform intersected with the other biggest issue of the 2021 legislature, the governor's COVID emergency powers.
3: Third reading, Senate file number two as amended.
6: Third reading.
1: Top lawmakers cut a deal. House Democrats agreed to ending the governor's COVID emergency powers at 11.59 p.m. on July 1st. In exchange... Senate Republicans agreed to one of Democrats' additional demands for police reform, sign and release warrants.
2: There being 45 ayes and 21 nays, the bill passes and it's titled agreed to. No
4: one taken into custody, uh, no opportunity for uh, that kind of potential
1: conflict to occur Uh, and people go on their merry way, the interest of justice is served. Democratic Senator Scott Dibble from Minneapolis, but Alexandria Republican Bill Ingebrigtsen warned sign-and-release warrants are actually... Catch-and-release program, concept that has been in the wrong direction. The state has been going with rising violent crime prosecutors who refuse to prosecute. With an apparent deal on some of the biggest sticking points, lawmakers began wrapping up the major budget bills. The Senate gave final approval to the E-12 education bill. The largest piece of the state budget, less than eight hours before the shutdown deadline. Governor Walls wasted no time signing it. He and First Lady Gwen Walls, both teachers, carried the bill from the Capitol across the street where Secretary of State Steve Simon waited to receive it for official filing. Mr. Secretary,
2: we're going to, uh...
4: Yes.
3: So, there's so much,
0: right.
1: The governor said about the new E-12 education budget. The
3: way I understand it, um, moving on two decades. It's been since we put this type of investment and made those
6: focus around uh, equity.
1: The governor signed all the remaining budget bills before the midnight deadline, avoiding partial state government shutdown. But the tax bill was a different matter.
4: When the Republicans are saying the emergency's over... They've been saying that every issue for 13 months, and like a brine squirrel, they found a nut. We are done with this.
1: The governor had already canceled nearly all of his emergency orders, but wanted to retain authority to access federal funds, manage COVID vaccinations and testing, plus redeploy state employees and handle unemployment insurance post-pandemic. Now remember, Republicans had already given Democrats the additional police reforms they wanted by passing that public safety bill meaning Republicans negotiating leverage was gone. So, House Democrats put that COVID authority the governor requested in the tax cut bill that Senate Republicans badly wanted, passed the measure and adjourned their special session, basically telling Republicans take it or leave it.
6: Madam Speaker, uh, discussion uh, on the motion? Please say no, the motion Madam Speaker, prevails. this is a debatable is motion. This is how we are doing things in the Minnesota House of Representatives. Members, this is disgusting. Vote. We are in a roll call. You are out of order.
1: So, although the peacetime emergency did end, Governor Walz's emergency authority still remains in a few narrowly defined areas. Not quite the outcome that Republicans wanted.
0: Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
2: Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, coworkers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to fda.gov slash BeSafeRx.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. State Fair officials are in full swing getting ready for the Great Minnesota Get-Together, which runs August 26th through Labor Day. Tasha Radel has more.
2: Another sign of things returning to normal after last year's State Fair was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining me today is Daniel Doolinger, spokeswoman for the Great Minnesota Get-Together. Well, wanted to visit with you a little bit. I know uh, a lot of Minnesotans are are getting more and more uh, back into normal, and the state fair uh, is is coming up. And before we kind of dive into the the new foods, uh, this has to be pretty exciting for you that the Great Minnesota Get Together is going to happen again.
7: Absolutely, we are thrilled after two years that we will be back at the Great Minnesota Get Back Together is what we're calling it. Um, It was a tough year in 2020 not being able to have the fair. Completely understandable. We knew it was the right thing to do. But we are just absolutely thrilled that we can all gather in person again at, you know, Minnesota's favorite end of summer tradition. We're, We're very excited.
2: And, you know, because of the pandemic and the uncertainty, have you guys been kind of just working behind the scenes, hoping that this day would come?
7: That's right. We've been nonstop, really, since we canceled the fair last year. Um, you know, we had the food parades last year because we knew that we couldn't be in-person. And we had kickoff to summer, which was a dip in our toes in the water with in-person events. And then once we knew we could officially do the full-blown minnesota state fair it was hitting the ground running we were hopeful for many months that this would happen so we were definitely planning but um once we were able to finally hit the gas pedal on on going with the fair this year um we we went full steam ahead
2: and you know i know it's got it, there had been a lot of uncertainty when it comes around entertainment and and vendors and you know the barns and all you have to offer has everyone been pretty excited uh, moving forward?
7: everyone has been very excited to move forward. They know that things may look a little different this year, and we're all very flexible, and our partners have been working with us consistently through the past few months to make sure that we can put on a safe and fun fair for our guests this year.
2: And, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, I mean, we're, we're crossing, you know, that I guess that line of optimism, are there going to be any, you know, masking or different protocols or showing vaccinations or proof of vaccinations this year?
7: At this point, we do not have plans to um, require proof of vaccination. We do not have masking requirements or anything like that, but we do consistently work with Minnesota Department of Health and we will follow any state and federal guidelines in place at the time of our event. So safety is always our number one priority. So know that we will do our absolute best to make sure that everyone who walks through those gates has a very safe time.
2: All right, and now turning to kind of the big announcement of today. Uh this was one of my favorite days. Uh you folks there at the fair have announced uh the official new foods. Uh let's talk a little bit maybe about some of the more hardier uh foods that people can expect this year.
7: Sure. So it is one of our favorite days of the year. We just announced our 2021 new foods that will be found at this year's Great Minnesota Get Back Together. So there truly is something for everyone just like the fair, but some of our heartier options do include the Buffalo Chicken Dough Skit, which can be found at the Blue Barn at West End Market. It's a fluffy biscuit-style donut, stuffed with shredded chicken, glazed with a sweet and spicy buffalo icing, and topped with crispy bacon bits. So you do get two of those with each order. In addition, something that I'm very excited about, Hot Indian has always been a fan favorite at the fair in the Midtown Global Market booth. Um, But we are giving them their own spot this year, and they'll be there all 12 days of the fair in the food building. So that's actually called the Kerala fried chicken kachi roll, and it's marinated, battered, and fried chicken tenders wrapped in paratha with chutneys and slaw. So there's a lot of hearty options. We have some sweet options too. Um, We have the Jumbo Donut Sundae, which is found at Fluffy's Hand-Cut Donuts. They are a brand new vendor, and it's a jumbo frosted yeast-raised donut available in a variety of flavors topped with vanilla soft serve ice cream, hot fudge, and a blend of sprinkles. So good for all ages that one is. And, you know, wanted
2: to talk to you too. I know, uh, you know, especially during those hot summer days, uh, those folks like to get out and enjoy some other uh drink options. And one that really stood out to me today was the cucumber jalapeno limeade. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
7: Absolutely. Farmer's Union Coffee Shop always has something fun and exciting each year, and this year is no different. They concocted the Cucumber Jalapeno Limeade, which is limeade, made with juiced Minnesota-grown cucumbers and jalapeno syrup served with a cucumber slice. So a little sweet, a little sour, a little spicy. I think it's going to be very refreshing at those hot days at the Minnesota State Fair.
2: And then, you know, for uh, folks that, you know, like to go out and try the different beers, was there anything that stuck out in your mind when it came to that?
7: So we didn't quite announce our new beers yet, but we will very soon in the coming weeks. Um, So we do have those alcoholic beverages, but I am excited that we have some non-alcoholic beverages that we did announce with our new foods announcement today. So Summer Lakes Beverage is a new vendor as well. And they have three brand-new gluten-free vegan State Fair exclusive mocktails. So, you know, they include citrus juices, sparkling water, zest, lemonade, lavender, all different types of flavors, three brand-new drinks that are non-alcoholic.
2: And then, Danielle, uh, you know, for me, I like to go to the fair for some of those uh, traditional on this, uh, goodies, and I'm assuming that those are, you know, fan favorites, and they're going to be around again this year.
7: Absolutely. We are going to have our classics. You're going to have your Prano Pops. You're going to have your Corn Dogs. You're going to have your Pickle on a Stick. You're going to have your Sweet Martha's Cookies, um, but a brand new one that I'm excited that is on a stick is actually called the Chori Pop, and that is by another brand new vendor, Andy's Garage at Midtown Global Market. So it's actually Chorizo by the Herbivorous Butcher, so that means it is all vegan, It's dipped in a classic corn dog batter, deep fried on a stick, which is classic at the fair, with choice of avocado salsa or mole sauce drizzled on top or on the side, served with Mexican barbecue chips. So again, I really think there's something for everyone, regardless of your dietary needs. I'm just excited that after two years, we finally have some new foods to announce.
2: For more information on the State Fair, head to mnstatefair.org. Back to you, Scott.
0: Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It's summer soybean season in Brownfield Eggs. Mark Dorenkamp recently spoke with Minnesota Soybeans' Tom Slanica about an exciting new program.
5: Tom, give our listeners an idea of what this Driving Soy promotion is all about.
3: Well, this is a fantastic new program that really demonstrates uh, how soybeans can be uh, an important part of consumers' daily lives. Of course, uh, soybeans have always been there to feed our animals and create protein for us. But now we've taken soybean oil and we're creating tires uh, through Goodyear uh, that are high-performing, long-lasting. They're a great value. And uh, it really makes both an environmental statement as well as a safety statement because these are top-of-the-line tires that uh, everybody should want to drive on.
5: We've talked many times about finding new uses for soybeans, and this is a, a pretty exciting opportunity, it seems
3: like. Well, these tires are made with 100% soybean oil, and, and it roughly takes uh, one bushel of soybeans to produce a set of tires. Uh, so you can think about how many cars you're driving down the road, and, and as far as creating demand for our product raised here at home, it's it's a great use. Um these tires are recyclable in, in the fact that they are made from soybean oil. Um, and so it's great for the environment. And, you know, these tires also, because they're made from soybean oil, they're a little more supple, so they grab the road. Uh, they say softer in the wintertime, so their performance rating is is quite high.
5: With Driving Soy, you're giving communities across the state an opportunity to support local law enforcement. How does the program work?
3: Well, the Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council, the Checkoff Group, uh, is uh, providing resources to the county organizations uh, to put tires on their first responders, and uh, first responders are so important uh, to everybody. And uh, these farmers want to be able to give back to their communities, and so it's it's a way to show our support uh, for the communities, um, and and it's a way to uh, demonstrate something that consumers might also want to uh, take home and use themselves.
5: And people listening can participate. How do they nominate?
3: So, uh, the, the entire program is, uh, at, at our website, uh, mnsoybean.com and, uh, uh, you can go there and learn more about it, or you can reach out to your local County corn and soybean board. Uh, they also have, have the, uh, all the information on how the program works. Um, And uh, it's really quite simple. Uh, Just uh, look for an organization that you think is in need and uh, do a little write-up on why you think it's important, and and those will be considered by by a small team of farmers, and and they'll award those grants based on that write-up.
5: Will the Driving Soy program sort of culminate later this summer, or what's the calendar look like?
3: Yes, yeah, so at FarmFest is is going to be uh, kind of the end of the program. Uh, and so then announcements will be will be done shortly after that. Uh, of course, the tires will be on display. The program will be highlighted at FarmFest. So if you get a chance to come down to that show, it's going to be a great place to touch and feel these tires and see for yourself uh, how they can be uh, uh, utilized there on your farm or, or at home. And Tom,
5: anything else about driving soy that you want to make sure we talk about?
3: Well, just want to make sure that everybody understands. This is why Checkoff is so important. Finding new uses, uh, uh, demonstrating valuable products for consumers as well as farmers. Um, this is really the gold standard of of why Checkoffs uh, invest what they do in new uses, and uh, it's it's just a really great way for. People to see how that activity can be very, very important to both the farm and the urban community.
0: That's Brownfield Egg's Mark Dorenkamp speaking with Minnesota Soybeans' Tom Slonica. More Minnesota Matters returns after this.
4: Unexpected
1: reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org.
2: Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k.
1: So you're giving up, just like that?
2: Giving up on what?
1: I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative.
4: Debt? You watch your mouth.
1: Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The new women's soccer coach at the U of M is now completing her third week on the job and says things are going well. Erin Chastain is a Twin Cities native who was an all Big Ten selection for the Gophers in both 1995 and 96. She came to Minnesota to take over as head coach after a 14 year stint at DePaul where she won the Big East championship in 2014 m Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Chastain about her transition to Minnesota and her famous last name.
6: I'm really excited to be here, excited for the season to kick off in August and it's a really special moment for me and my family.
4: What has the last uh, handful of weeks been like for you and your family?
6: It's been a whirlwind. You know the interview process felt like it went really slow and now that this happened it's like oh my gosh full speed ahead. So I think it's a really exciting time. Um, this, as I've, I've said multiple times, is a dream opportunity for me, so I think everyone's making me feel right at home.
4: You are from Minnesota, from the Twin Cities, uh, played soccer here at the University of Minnesota, basically back in, in the infancy of the program, and uh, you think about how women's soccer has advanced over the years, and we'll talk more about that in depth because you have some family ties to some of the big moments in soccer. Um, what, what, what is it like to be back uh, coaching now at a place where you played and, and helped build?
6: Yeah, I mean it feels surreal really. I, I think um, to see the stadium and to see the facilities that the University of Minnesota now has that weren't here when I was here, we played across the street, um, it's just incredible. I, I think the support that prospective student athletes and our current team have, it, it goes above and beyond and really the student athlete experience is second to none. So I think to be here and to be leading this team of young women is just a, a dream come true. Tell us a
4: little about your background.
6: I have two daughters, 10 and 12, Harper and Brooklyn, and then my husband, Chad. And so that should be a pretty easy transition for us. Minnesota is super familiar. My whole family still lives in Minnesota. So I have I have three brothers, my parents, and they're all still local. So I think that makes everything really smooth in transition for us to get back here. And I know they're ready to come out to ELR and, and support the team and program, and they'll probably be our biggest fans.
4: And you have uh, ample coaching experience, obviously coming from DePaul, where you won Big East championship championships. Uh, Prior to that, uh, assistant coaching experience at Santa Clara, who's coming off of a big year, obviously, as well with with that storied program, and at Northwestern with some Big Ten before that. So kind of take me through uh, how your coaching philosophy was built over the years and what will go for Fancy from your teams uh, when you get them coached the way you want
6: them. Yeah, well, I I think first and foremost, I've had some incredible mentors in the game. Um, At Northwestern, I worked under Marsha McDermott, who is a wonderful coach, she was one of the, she was the first female professional coach back in the old professional league that won a championship. And then when I went to Santa Clara, I worked under Jerry Smith, who obviously just won his second national championship. So I think to learn from two really different styles and different people, but both winners and, awesome coaches, whether it's inspiring a team or tactical coaching, I think I've really been exposed to some awesome leaders. Um, And then to be able to use that and have my own style um, at DePaul leading my own program has been been really awesome for me. So I think taking from some different experiences and, and being able to really delve into my philosophy, which is you know, obviously just to build wonderful leaders on and off the field, to get teams to reach their potential and to win Big Ten championships.
4: Is your style, would you say, more offensive oriented, defensive oriented, a nice combination, or or how would you say?
6: It's probably a combination. And I think I'll really evaluate this current group and see what style is gonna suit the personnel the best. But I think it's fun to play an attacking style. So that's certainly, we'd like to score a lot of goals, celebrate a lot of goals. and, And I look forward to doing that on this field.
4: All right. So we hear the name Chastain. So when you're talking soccer and specific women's soccer, you have to say, geez, I wonder if there's any relation to to Brandy Chastain. And in this case, uh, there is a pretty close connection. Tell us about that. Yeah.
6: Well, Brandy's obviously my sister-in-law. She's been also a wonderful mentor for me, obviously, when you can achieve at that level. And that takes a certain level of talent and mental fortitude and commitment. And so to see her through some of her journeys through the Olympics and World Cup has been really exciting for me. Obviously, I didn't know her in 99 when she had her really big moment for women's soccer, but I know I watched that. And so I think now to have watched that and know that I can call her up for advice or um, she'll come out and support the team, I think is huge for, for me and for my family and we're really proud of Brandy. I, th- I think she was a pioneer um, in women's soccer and she was really accessible and I think that's such a great quality to have as as a famous soccer player where you know young kids can say, sign my piece of paper, sign my ball and, and they're really accessible. So I think she set a, a nice bar for that.
4: And you think about that moment. I mean, how important in the history of women's soccer, particularly American women's soccer in terms of the growth. I mean, obviously winning the World Cup was big in, in on U.S. soil, but from that point, I'm sure you're seeing the, the the results coaching kids who probably either watch that or see the replay and have gotten interested in soccer.
6: Yeah, and, and really soccer's exploded, and I think that's a big reason why, just like you said, um, you know, you're seeing now the U.S. national team games sell out. You're seeing youth soccer exploding, so many different clubs and opportunities for young girls to play. So I think it's really exciting time for for youth soccer, for international soccer, and certainly for collegiate soccer, and um, to be the division a Division One program in Minnesota and represent the state, I think is huge.
4: Twin Cities and Minnesota in general too has been a, a good soccer area uh, in terms of its growth. I know they the, we've coined the term in recent years, rock the Robbie. How important is it to, to rock the Robbie every time you guys are here and to, you know, uh, you know, create interest here in a city that that is pretty uh, lovable about soccer?
6: Yeah, I think it's super important. I I think one of the things that you immediately notice about Minnesota soccer is how much their attendance numbers are every year. And I only see that growing. Um, So it's super important, I think, to put young girls in the stands, to watch these talented young women perform and compete, and really just be great role models for them. So I I really hope that environment can can be what it is and even more.
0: That's New Gopher women's soccer coach Erin Chastain and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a safe 4th of July, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.